Our DT Systems, the Wrap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Wrap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. Force fetch. What is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it. You and your dog can be successful in it, and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. Episode 42, The Master Stashinal, the recap of one of the highlights of my retriever training career, the Master National 2019 in Chiraw, South Carolina. But before we get into that, big old thank you to our sponsors, Yukonuba Sporting Dog 3020 is what feeds and fuels my kennel, my dogs, my puppies. Right now, Kevin's got a beautiful litter of four-week-old puppies who are being weaned off of the bird, the bird girl, Birdie, and they started eating like a gruel, a mush of Yukonuba puppy, which has a lot of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that help the puppies develop, grow, and also has some stuff. I believe it's called DHA. Don't ask me what it means, but DHA, and that helps brain development for healthy, smart, intelligent pups. So pups are on uke, big dogs are on uke. Baby, what can uke do for you? Numero dos, Gunner Kennels. Man, what can I say? Safety first. You were traveling all up and down the East Coast the past few weeks. I put like, how is Quinny doing? 3,500 miles on my truck in the last month. And, and how was Quinny was putting 3,500 miles on and a gunner? Quinn was riding dirty, dirty in her gunner kennels. I feel like I'm spoiling her, man, because old Buck <laughs> and Memphis, they got the old plastic crate. Yep. The old cheapskate Bobo plastic crate. And Quinn, I don't, she's, she's like living high on the hog, the silver spoon in her mouth kind of dog. These gunner kennels are beautiful, they're well equipped. And the safety rating is what's important. We put so much into our dogs, training, love, emotion, and we want the best for them. And when you're riding down the highway, 
you can be, you know, rest assured that if something bad were to happen, those dogs are going to be safe. So, did you see? Uh, did you see the Instagram they put up recently where they they did a like a shock test? It was like a four thousand pound shock test of other name brand kennels that sh- shan't be named. New word. Uh, and then also there, so it was like a, a compression test where they had like this big giant machine that. Like, imagine just stepping on the kennel with a big giant machine, and it was 4,000 pounds of pressure, and each kennel disgustingly exploded as if it was a car accident, and then the the gunner kennel stacked. Didn't budge an inch, baby. Stacked. It reminds me of my old glory days playing rugby. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yes. You can ask my friend Phil Tazi. All right? Phil Tazi knows. Phil Tazzy's not listening to this. Phil Tazzy 100% is listening to this. I told him I was going to shout him out on the <laughs> podcast, so I had to throw it in there. <laughs> listen. But listen, that was like my glory days. 4,000 pounds couldn't stop old Uncle Bob. Neither can a gunner kennel. Come on. So, hey, if you like safety and you want your dogs to ride safely down the road, to and from your hunts, to and from training, to and from the office, wherever you go and your Up dog's and riding with you, Coast. wherever your dog's riding with you, Make sure they're safe because, man, accidents happen and uh, Gunner's got your back. So check them out. If you're interested in learning more, shoot us a, a message on Instagram or on our emails, and we'll get you hooked up with Gunner. Um, next would be Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This is the group who hosts our podcast. They've got a ton of other great outdoor podcasts and social media companies that represent their whole quote-unquote collective and they're great people and help support us and keep us you know in tune with you guys so waypoint outdoor collective on instagram check them out tell them we sent you now into the show so the master national the master stational if you had saw or seen on instagram it was actually Kevin's doing. He screenshot me talking, and it got a perfect look at the stash. And let me tell you, I got a lot of razzing and busting of chops over this mustache. But it kept me sane. It kept me humble, because everyone made fun of me. But it was a lot of humor amongst the stress and excitement and nerves of the master national so lo and behold that stash will be every time i'm at a master national i'm gonna have a mustache it's not master stational baby it's enough said man all right let's get in from the beginning so master national started october 17th in the evening we had well let's back up even further Six or eight months ago, my buddy Blaine, who's been on the podcast twice now, the pterodactyl, Blaine Tarnacki, the pterodactyl, we talked six or eight months ago and we're like, we're going to lay it all out on the table. We're going to stack the deck in our favor. We're going to do everything in our power to pass this thing. Whatever that means, we're going to do. Buying live birds, pheasants, whatever. We're going all in to pass this thing. So what that meant to me was going early, and I drove down to him in Georgia, and I was 
going to stay there like eight or ten days before the Master National to pre-train. So that would give my dogs in contention new water, new land, new features, the excitement of training alongside another truck and trailer, which ended up being even more beneficial because our friend Charlie came out, our friend Oliver came out, a lot of other pros, Evan, everybody came to Blaine's place to pre-train with us. So we would show up and there'd be four dog trucks and six amateurs training with us. And all of a sudden it kind of feels like a hunt test when that dog gets out of the truck because they're hearing banging and live gunfire. Yeah, and that's duck a good calls. point. Yeah. And so they're, they're in that environment. They think they're at a hunt test because you've got so much action going on. So that was hugely beneficial. And then for my dogs at least, and I feel sort of bad that Blaine's dogs didn't get this, the new grounds new water and new land will throw a dog off, right? Like they understand at my training grounds, every pond, every rolling hill, I've kind of been there, done that with them all For sure. year long. And so now you go to Blaine's and it's like, hmm, this looks different. Maybe I'll cheat this corner. Maybe I won't swim this whole channel. And you're really honing all those things that you've taught up at Carol's place here in New York down at Blaine's and saying, no, you're being held accountable here too. And all of a sudden, it's like, if you can hear me snapping on. <laughs> this is great, great radio. <laughs> these dogs started really showing me, like the first two or three days, the other kicker is, uh, let me back up. First two or three days, they were out of their gourds. They had driven on a truck a, a thousand miles. They were now living on a truck, which usually they aren't. They're living in the kennel facility and coming out and airing in the airing yard, and they've got their routine. Now I've totally taken them out of their routine and asking them to live on a truck. If I had driven down the night before Master National and pulled them off the truck the day of, they would have been a mess. So it allowed them to acclimate to their quote-unquote new lifestyle for the next couple of weeks, and that was super helpful too. So big shout out to Blaine and his family for having me. That was hugely beneficial. So we do everything in our power to pass this. And we train from daylight till dark and we bust our tail and we bought a ton of live pheasants and a ton of ducks and we're shooting flyers daily and we're splashing birds in there. Go ahead. You've got a question? No. Well, I have a question for me. How, how did all the live birds fare? Pause for the gulp of Bud Light. In our last podcast or the podcast before with Blaine, you heard about those pheasants, right? Yeah, we never really got into detail about it on camera, on whatever you want to call it. But old Kevin spent a few hundred bucks on birds. Well, no, you bought pigeons. So the entire Which ride, are birds. Yeah, but that didn't help my dogs. It only helped your dogs. So, hey, whatever, <laughs> right? So, the whole ride south, I drove through rain, cold rain, and they were on top of my trailer, strapped down, and they were getting pelted with rain and cold wind, 70-something miles an hour, humming down the highway for two days, because we had to stop at Mountaintop to get my trailer worked on, and so they were, they were, there were some casualties, okay? So, every bird that dies is money out of my pocket. Okay, rest in peace for those guys who lost their lives. Sure, they died for a good cause. 
Not really. I mean, I'm if it was nice out, I'm trying to fine. make myself feel better. So we get to Blaine's. Some of them survived. Some pigeons keep going downhill, which I was working Kevin's dog, Covey, and my little girl, Andy, on the pigeons. A lot of them didn't make it. I think the cold really, like pneumonia or whatever, they were struggling. Bird flu? Ah, bird flu. Yeah, maybe I got the bird flu. So we lost some pheasants. The ducks are just rugged, man. They didn't care, so every duck survived. But I think four pheasants died and by the end of my trip in Georgia, about half of those pigeons died, maybe a little less. So that's a ton of money from Kevin. That sucks for him. I probably told him like 10 <laughs> until now. Whoops. Yeah, just until now. Bob said like, oh, like one or two. But really, that's $125 <laughs> worth of pheasant or uh, pigeons. Yeah, whatever. Hmm. The truth hurts. So, um, <laughs> so now we're training at Blaine's. And we use up my pheasants and my ducks, and he's got, you know, a bunch of them. And our friend Oliver from Foundation Retrievers in South Carolina is training with us. And Charlie from Beaver Dam Creek Kennels, maybe? Whatever. Charlie, write in and tell us what it is. Um, He's a good dude, man. I love Charlie. Charlie is? Yeah, he's awesome. So is Oliver. Uh, but I knew his kind of name, so I don't feel so bad. So uh, we're all training together, and we're going to this hay field like 40 minutes away from Blaine's. And Oliver and I, I catch 20 pheasant, and he and I lift this box of pheasants up on my top of my trailer, and it's heavy as hell. We get it up there, and we get rolling. Well, I didn't exactly picture where we were going and what we were doing, but we get on a highway fast, right? So if I knew we were going down the road, we'd have been fine. But getting on a highway, going 70 miles an hour, probably should have strapped them down. Well, I didn't. So that sucker came off the trailer. And uh, lo and behold, the pheasants didn't make it. (laughs) Those birds flew off the trailer on the highway? Yeah, let's not get into much more detail. No, that's fine. Um, But, yeah, they didn't make it, and I felt really bad because that's roughly $250 in pheasants literally out the window um, that are gone. So that stunk, but luckily we bought more pheasants. I learned a very very valuable lesson. Strap them down. When in doubt, strap it out. (laughs) I don't know. That doesn't make sense. But you get my point. Strap those birds down, baby. Um, But we had phenomenal pre-training. Now, we drive to South Carolina on the 17th. That is our big inaugural dinner, of which Lone Duck Outfitters and Kennels and Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles is a mini sponsor. So we got a cool little shout-out and cool little, you know, plaque. And we give koozies to everybody that's there. There were... I think 1,020 dogs that ended up running the test. Dogs had to scratch. I think 3,000 dogs qualified for the Master National, roughly. Well, I bought like 1,200 koozies, so I know that number at least. Um, yeah, they're somewhere. I don't know. I gave them away. They're in. You get handler's bags with stuff in it. So, um What's one thing that was really cool as I'm walking around to the table and saying hi to all my friends and people I've met through the years. And I walk up to my friend Trish, Trish Jagoda and and Mary. And 
they're sitting at this table with wonderful, beautiful women. And now Mary and Trish come up here to New York and train in the summer for like five or six weeks. And during that time, I did have the mustache. And they would bust my chops and, you know, it was all good fun and whatever. At least as far as you knew. No, they loved it. They know they loved it. So now they're pulling the women at this table. Oh, because I had a little scruff, too. So it was kind of hard to see the full-blown mustache because I had some scruff. Usually is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. It is. So they're like, oh, you know, look at his little baby face. You know, he should shave it all (laughs) or should he just keep the scruff? And they're all like, keep the scruff, keep the scruff. I'm like, no, I'm shaving it for my mustache. And they were like appalled that I would have this terrible master stational. Well, then this woman is like, are you, uh, are you Bob from the podcast? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Maybe, uh, Maybe. somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. I think I've done other people's. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's me. Her <laughs> name was, shout out to Kim. Big shout out to Kim. She was awesome. I couldn't believe how many people actually listened to this podcast at the Master National and came up and like high fived and enjoyed it. So thank you all who are maybe tuning in. You know, it it was humbling. It was uh, a really cool feeling that all the hard work Kevin and I put into this bad boy that people are entertained and enjoy it. And uh, it was pretty special. But Kim, she voted for no mustache, but you know, we all know how that worked out. Her vote lost. I got Sorry, the stash. Kim. But at Kim, it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, she actually marshaled our first series, first and second series. Really? Yeah. Marshalling is basically the person who is in charge of keeping all the handlers in line. So, like, all right, dog number one's at the line, oh, okay. two's in yeah, the holding yeah. line, three get ready, four get ready, five get ready. So she was shouting out and running whatever, the show. Running the show. Nice. So super helpful. Thank you for your help, Kim. Um but, you know, dude, I was so nervous. I was, stomach was twisted. Yep. I was, you know, it's intense. It's a feeling that the only thing I could comprehend was, like, playing sports in college again. Again, shout out to Phil Tazi, St. Bonaventure Rugby, and my buddy Andy Mack, who wears a lone duck vest all the time. My man. Yeah, he sent me a picture. He says usually he doesn't wear it without it, or he wears it. In the summertime without a shirt so he can still wear it. (laughs) Not a good image, everybody. Not a good image. No. But those guys, I mean, that's what I can equate it to was getting ready for a big rugby game where your stomach is in knots and you're ready to go to battle. And it's intense. And now the stakes don't feel as high because there's no physical pain about to happen like in rugby. But No, but you're trusting. but, But my career... You know, my year-long pursuit of this goal of the Master National. For sure. All the eyes on you. And even people on social media, like, everybody was rooting us on. I didn't want to let them down, man. I felt like there was a lot of pressure. So I'm walking to the line, and she's like, hey, bud, you know, take a, take a deep breath. You know, blah, blah, blah. It'll be all right. And um, so big shout-out to Kim, so thank you. So after the dinner and stuff happened... I think the dogs are barking out at the kennel. Yeah, we'll keep it rolling here. Probably somebody walking by. So, um, so after that dinner, right, 
we had a blast. Well, we go back and we go to bed, and I am dog 117, and I forget what number we started on, like 32. Oh, 32. So we started at 32, 33, 34, 35. You get the point. Now I'm 117, 122, and 127. Memphis, Cruz, Ember. Go ahead. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, may not know, whatever, uh, give me the rundown on Memphis, Cruz, and Ember before we keep rocking here. Whose dogs? What kind yeah, of yeah. dog? How old? So Memf is my dog. Hopefully you all know her. She's a black lab. Um, she'll be five in December. She's She'll be five in December? Yeah, man. Freaking time flies. Yep. Are you sure? 100%. Five. Yep. Don't even ask it. She's five years old. So, man. Yep. She's... Obviously, you have to be a master hunter to qualify for this bad boy, but she's been on fire all spring, summer, and fall, doing really, really well. She's my first dog. And even though, truthfully, she's the most steadfast of them all, that I had the most confident in passing this thing, I was the most nervous to run her because she was the first one to run. So I'm... Dude, I'm sweating. My stomach's off. I mean, I didn't have a solid bowel movement for like 12 days. <laughs> it's true. Straight truth. Honesty is the best policy. So she's up first, and it's a land series. It's all pheasants. Um, Let me think here. It was a triple with a blind, and the flyer was the go bird. So, you you know, first bird comes out, it's kind of a short bird. Second bird comes out, it's a little bit longer, but they're very in line, the first two marks. Right. And then the third bird was off to your right, live flyer up a hill, past some trees and stuff. Go get it. Generally speaking, you want to go pick up that short bird, so out Outside, outside, middle. Long bird, pheasant flyer, short bird, and then punch up the middle for the other pheasant, kind of up a hill and stuff. And then kind of right near the holding blind for that long middle bird was your blind. So some of the dogs were winding that blind. If they couldn't find the long bird, they were winding that blind and then screwing around at the blind pole where they weren't finding a bird. But then someone would have to handle and get them off there. A lot of dogs couldn't find the flyer. A lot of dogs were going to the short bird and not finding it and bailing out to the long bird, which is a switch, and you'd fail, so they have to handle. It was, we dropped like 20 or 30 dogs right off the bat, first series, and unfortunately, shout out to Blaine, and not the way he probably wants to get shout out, one of his best, most consistent, actually, I think two of his really top dogs went out in that series, and they shouldn't have. Really? I mean, they were... One of them is Buck, who's his Boykin. That's yeah, like yeah. Number one, number two Boykin in the country. Bad to the bone. You know he hasn't failed a master test in like two years. He's exceptional. And he winded that blind pole and couldn't get him off of there. Man. And then another dog he had, Easy. Man, dog's just, name is Easy? Yeah. That's a good dog name. Yeah, yeah. Um, easy. She just couldn't find the flyer, man. So... If you think about it, how many dogs have to run and how many flyers are getting shot and 
they don't land in the same spot so they're sent everywhere some land deep some land short some are over here some are over there but they're sent everywhere so she got hung up and just lost her way basically um and so it was like heart-wrenching like two of his best dogs aren't making it through the first series and you know memph truthfully hammered it she did great Cruz hammered it ember hammered it and i'm like holy cow we're here <laughs> we made it through the first at least right like whoo like I got to the Master National, now I'm through the first. So I'm really proud of them. Um, it was a cool test. It was a tough test, but it was doable. I felt very com- confident after Memphis ran, after my nerves were done, that the other two could do this thing. So we do it. Second series is very similar location, just kind of cockeyed to the left a little bit where there was water. So it was like a land water test. First bird out was a duck thrown on land, left to right. Second bird out was another duck up a hill, right to left. Third bird out was a live flyer shot 25 yards away from you. So the holding blind was really, 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 really close. They throw a duck, and they shoot the duck 25 yards away, and it splashed in the water. Think about how enticing that is. All of you, you know, sending me messages. Hey, it's duck season and my dog's breaking. Uh, yeah. So now they're at the Master National. No e-collar. Freaking jacked beyond belief. And they've got a live duck being shot 25 yards away in their face, splashing in water. It's tough. So they go get the live flyer. Now you have to know them off the other two marks. You know, no. You had to walk about 10 foot over and run a water blind past the live flyer duck and past the first mark. So they got to run between those two marks. Pretty challenging because they're looking at places they want to go. And you have to tell them no back, right? So they hit this keyhole of trees, but also a keyhole between the two marks. Go down a little hill, cross the pond get out of the pond and get into the woods and pick up your bird. A lot of dogs were struggling. They'd go, you know, first of all, they were struggling trying to get off of those marks. So they really, really, really wanted the marks and the people were having a hard time getting them to handle. But secondly, they were also having a hard time because once they hit that like little bank, they'd want to bail off a certain way and you couldn't see them. If they made a, if that dog made a bad choice, you couldn't see them. And all of a sudden, the people would be like, uh, where'd the dog go? And boom, he's out in left field, and out, you're out. So what would happen if you had to, like, handle the dog in that situation? Like, what, Well, you're I, running a blind, so you can handle them. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the dog's going to do what you tell it to do, because it's still a dog. Got Well, true, but so it can't see you, or you're trying to, like, whistle it to you so that it can see you, and then send it back again, uh, and just kind of, like, cluster... Wonderful question, Kevin. That's what your goal, right? Like, yeah, I, right? I don't mean it in a jerk way. I'm saying, like, that's a wonderful, that's the point. That's what makes it hard. Like, if the dog does what you tell it to do and it's doing what you've trained, For sure. you're going to be okay. But all the things about that test, the bird really, you know, the other mark really close, the keyhole, the bank, the water, all that stuff is telling that dog, mm, blow that guy off, go over here. So you're 
fighting those factors and the natural tendency of that dog and the control you need to get them to go, no, no, over here. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? No. They want to go here. No, no, over here. Gotcha. If you can do it and you can control that dog and they've got the discipline to do it, they did it. If they had it in their brain, they were going to do what they wanted to do. And, you know, I kind of want to do what Bob wants to do, but ah, this looks more fun. You'd lo- you would lose sight of them, and all of a sudden they'd end up in no man's land, and you were out. And it was in the blink of an eye. All of a sudden the dog would pop out somewhere they shouldn't be, and they were right. out. So we lost huh. a lot of dogs on that blind. So you had to run that blind after you picked up the uh, go bird, which was the live flyer, then pick up your other two marks. So they had to run a blind, then remember the other two marks, and then you had to run a land blind that was kind of, you know, up the hill a little bit. If you got through those things, the land blind wasn't too hard. But then you had to honor. And an honor, if you don't know, means you had to sit your dog after they did the work, sit them down, and watch another dog work. And that is also where they lost a lot of dogs. I think they lost like another 30 dogs in that flight. So now we started with like 146. Now after two series, we're down 60 dogs. We got chopped. So long story short, I think Memphis, like Memphis hammered it. Cruz hammered it. Ember needed to handle on the long middle bird. Okay. Now we honor. Cruz had a dog break while she was on the honor. And now the kicker is she has to honor another dog. So now she has to sit there, watch all the birds go, and a live flyer. A dog breaks. Another dog walks up, has to do it again. So she had to watch six ducks go down, two live of them being live flyers, and sit still, it was brutal. Like, it was brutal. My heart was in my throat the entire time. Same thing happened for Ember. So both of those dogs had to watch all that happen twice. It was tough. But we made it through. Now for the third series. The third series was where we lost Cruz. It was a water triple down the shore like a two down the shore and a down the shore blind first bird comes out it was like 95 yards on the other bank a big open water swim with some grassy stuff in the way second bird comes out thrown from a hill down the shore third bird comes out about 20 yards away huge arc splashes in the dog's face so again they've got to be steady Go get the short bird, punch out to the long bird. Remember, outside, outside, middle. Get the short bird, punch out to that long bird, and then pick up your down the shore bird. Now, a lot of dogs, including Cruz and Ember, their natural instinct is to get out early. They don't want to drive all the way across. They want to get out early and hunt the bank and find it. Well, Cruz made a bad life choice. Cruz got out early, started hunting the down the shore bird and then couldn't find it right away so she bailed out and went to the long bird that is what's called a switch 
and I can't allow a switch or else she's an automatic fail. So I stopped her, handled her to the bird that she showed she wanted to do. We picked it up. She came back. Now we got to go for that long bird again. After she just kind of sucked. And she did the same mistake. So she had to handle twice in one series. She's out. Well, now I'm thinking to myself, oh, what do we do? Right? Like, Ember, she's young. She's two and a half. What do we do? What do we do? And Blaine and I, I'm literally grabbing Ember right now. And he's grabbing one of his dogs. And he goes, after seeing that, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to handle that dog to the long bird. Because the rest of the marks and the blind are, quote, unquote, easy if you can get that out of the way. I'm like, all right. So you, so there's a lot of strategy in this. It isn't just like line up the dog like you, you know, I don't know, like you normally would in a training day and like, all right, get after it. Go get that bird. It, there's, I would assume the dog is going to screw up here and it is better for me to think ahead and know the dog and handle here rather than wait to see what happens. Like there's some strategy involved. The whole right, yeah, great point. So the whole time we're running dogs and watching dogs work, all of us, all the trainers, all the amateurs, we're all sitting there watching dogs make mistakes and succeed. Why did they succeed? Why did they fail? What is going on? And how do they do it right? How do they do it wrong? How can we save our dogs if they fall to that factor? So it was like a real collective team effort at times to build success so let me think so then now it's ember's turn and she does kind of the same thing they all hit this like little grassy patch and they bounced off the grassy patch and started to get out early so instead of her doing what Cruz did i handled her and then she crushed the rest of the test so now she's going to the fourth if i had done that with Cruz and i had thought I thought Cruz was going to make a good – she made a bad choice, but I didn't think it was going to kill her. If she had went early and picked that bird up correctly instead of switching or attempting to switch, we would have kept playing. But it was too many mistakes that equaled one big mistake instead of just one mini mistake and then fumble through the rest and keep playing. Does that make sense? So if Cruz – had got out early and found the bird that she was looking for, we would have kept playing. But because she got out early, couldn't find that one, and then went to look for the other, and I had to handle, it forced my hand, and I was, I didn't have a choice. And then she would have had to be perfect on the second time. So instead of allowing Ember to possibly make that mistake, I didn't let her. Okay, you go here. I told you to go here. Boom. Picked it up. Beautiful. And then hammered the rest. Fourth series. What do we do in the fourth? Hmm. Fifth series. Oh, fourth series was a land test. In, they called it like in the woods, if you will, in the pines. And it was like a... We've, by the way, we've lost a ton of dogs now. We are the flight who's lost the most dogs to this point. I think we're down to like 70 dogs by the fourth series, and everybody else had like 110, 100. So we were moving faster than everyone else, and we were chopping dogs up. So it's a, like, 
awesome that Memphis and Ember are in it still because so many great, great, talented dogs and people are out. So we're down from 146 to, let's say, 80 to be conservative, going to the fourth. So they kind of, we got put into this land test that wasn't very hard. First bird was thrown right to left in the woods. Second bird was left to right in the woods, short, very close. And the third bird was a pheasant live flyer way out up a hill. Memphis hammers it. Ember sort of hammers it. She picks up two birds great and then overruns the real short bird, and I needed to handle her again. So this is the third handle I've had, and now we need to be perfect for the rest of the time. So I have a question. When when we're uh, <clears throat> when you're doing your different series, does a mistake transfer from one series to the next? Like for instance, Absolutely. so it's a holistic yeah. six series. Yeah. How did it do? It isn't C- like cumulative. You, you did okay. Yeah, no you don't way. get a clean slate the next right. series. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Good question. Who keeps track of that? That job must suck. The judges, <laughs> two that. two judges, uh, keep track of that. So, and the other kicker is we didn't know if three handles was gonna pass you at the Master National. We were like, we're screwed. We're not gonna get called back because Blaine had a dog with three handles as well, Creek, and also a good dog name. That is a good dog name. Creek. Shout out to Creek, who ended up getting a plate. So. Big shout-out to Creek. Get you some. Um, so she had handled three times, but a lot – they were there were zero sloppy handles out of Ember. Every time I blew the whistle, she sat. Every time I told her to go somewhere, she went there. It was very clean, and I think that also helped her. If she was, like, blowing me off – and not if. 100% she would have failed if she was blowing me off and not listening and screwing around. It's because she was controlled, even though she made mistakes – they were quick, clean, fixable mistakes. So we had three handles. Now for the fifth and sixth series, we have to be perfect. So my heart's in my throat, dude. I mean, seriously sick to my stomach. Now Memphis is clean as a whistle all these series. She's stepping on marks, hammering blinds. Ember, every mark she goes for, she's stepping on except for that one. And then the blinds are really good. fifth series we go to this place called larry's pond my man larry first bird is a live flyer which side note i shot for four hours one day i did a little instagramming while i'm doing it i didn't miss a bird baby that over under the old satori smacked live flyers really it was so much fun we were they at the end of your muzzle Oh, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. So you set the dog well, up. Point blank's not impressive, then. Y- yeah, okay. You should have seen some of the people missing. And really? And taking six, you know, boom, 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 boom. Duck goes down. It was like, wing that baby. Pow! So it was really fun. I, I was, I enjoyed that. And it was a nice way to, like, give back some time to the club. Oh, and, absolutely, man. You know, That's everybody, really cool. many hands make light work. So we all pitched in. That's picking cool. things up, taking things down, picking up trash, all that stuff. 
So anyways, we're at Larry's Pond, and we've got a live flyer. Boom. Comes out. Uh, second bird. No. Before you before you even move on, we had a really good question of, sure. uh, and I think I believe this happened to you. What happens if the shooter misses? So let's say that uh, you hadn't bagged yeah, right, each dude, one. It like, did happen to me. It happened to Ember. Yeah. So in the first, what series. So that's called a no bird, and a no bird means your dog has to go back three dogs. So they watch. They get all excited in the holding blind. You know all the crap that goes on to getting them from your truck to the line. They sit down, they watch all the stuff happens, and maybe a bird comes out of the winger wrong, or maybe the guys shooting miss. Side note, again, didn't happen while I was on duty, okay? Um, maybe they miss. You know, anything can happen where they'll call a no bird. Or maybe, again, like Cruz and Ember in the second series, dogs were breaking, so they had to redo that whole thing again. So if you get a no bird at the Master National, you go back three dogs, Get back in line and run it again. If it happened again, you go back six dogs, run it again. If it happens to you a third time, if you get three no birds in a row, you go to the end of the line. So, like, let's say your dog seven, no bird, no bird, no bird. You go to the end of the line. So now you're, you know, out of one forty six, you're you're now right. Your last, and that happened twice. So there are two dudes. Yeah, actually, one of the guys. No, no, two or three, maybe three, because I think Bob Tebbins, who's a, a longtime Lone Duck supporter, big shout out to Bob and his wife. Um, Andrew, Andrew, I know Andrew, who was running Ember's dad. It wasn't Ember's dad that got the no bird situation, but it was another dog of his. And another guy, God, I can't think of his name, but I can picture him, and he's from Texas. He was super cool, too. I think three of those dudes got three no-birds in a row and had to go back all the way to the end. So that sucks. Anyways, um, I forget where, where I was going with it. So fifth series, it's a water land setup. Three marks go down. One of them's a live fire up a hill. And you have two birds. Yep, Memphis Ember. Gobert is across the pond. Go and get it. Can you real quick? Gobert is uh like the last bird down. Yep. So boom, boom, boom. Go get it. That's your go bird. So the first bird. Now I remember. First bird was the live flyer on the hill. Second bird was a big splash bird, close. So another breaking bird like thirty yards away. Right. And then a long bird across the pond. Go get that one. Go get your live flyer, come back and check down and pick up that short bird along the edge of the water. Um, two blinds, and you had to run the water blind first. And it wasn't super hard, actually. It was across a pond, through a keyhole in the bank, and up a hill and pick it up, which after 100 dogs run, you kick them loose, and they hit that channel of mud that all the dogs hit. Oh, and yeah. so once you get them there, they're like, oh, look at this, a little pathway. Oh, and man. then tweet, boom, bird. So, you know, not every dog did it great, but, you know, if you kind of got them to that little muddy spot, yeah, they'd shoot right up the hill. Nice. Then they had to run a really short, dinky blind, but it also showed a lot of control because it was right near one of the old falls. So you had to, like, even though it was short and sweet, they could get weird on you. 
and then you had to honor again. And that honor was like 20 yards away from the live flyer. It was, you could, I mean, lob a baseball and hit the guys. It was, it was super close. So you've got all this excitement built up and boy, Kevin put down two tall boys. He's looking for another beer. Good for you, bud. So, uh, anyway, so Memph does that great. And now remember everybody, Ember has to be clean. She cannot handle on a mark and she has to be, have good blinds. She's had good blinds this whole time, but like, we can't have a screw up. She has to step on every mark. So I'm like, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said I was just like no solid bowel movements. I wanted to throw up. It was, you can't even, I can't even describe the feeling. Anxiousness, nervousness, stress, fear, excitement, petrified, holding my breath as all those birds are going down. Just hold your breath. The judge lets you go and you say their name and they go and it's like, okay, it's not up to me anymore. I hope you saw those. I hope you remember those. I'm going to take my time and line you up, but it's up to her now to remember the marks. And here she goes. Whap. Second bird. Live flyer. Whap. Short bird. Watch a lot of dogs run past it. I've watched a lot of dogs screw this up. Whap. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Here we go. Oh, God. You know, now we can run blinds. I know that she can do these blinds. But I, I literally, the whole time she was marking, was holding my breath. Please, girl, watch these. Please remember these. You can do these. They're not that hard. But in the heat of the moment, they're hard. And there's a lot that can go wrong. And a lot of wind or old scent or drag back. You know, there's a lot that can go wrong. So she ran those blinds great. Now we're going to the six, baby. Woo! Woo! How much? Let's. I, we almost need to take a step back out of that one. So each day was roughly one series, right? Because I feel like well, when you and I would talk, not it'd be really. Like, uh, it, it I don't know close. if I'm going later. Like it, it no, was kind every, of yeah, like exactly. ambiguous about like when you were going, when you weren't going. Sure. Like for instance, in the sixth series, we, I, you know, judging by the time, you kind of estimate the test. All right, this is uh, a eight and a half minute test on average. So you, you know, watch six dogs go and you time all six divide by six and it's eight and a half minutes per dog. Right. From right. Wow. How many, how much of a headache did you have doing all that math? Oh, I, j- other people told me about oh, it. I didn't smart. even know how to do it. Yeah. Smart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks Kev. But again, all kidding aside, we all estimate, okay, it's a seven minute test. It's a six minute test. It's a four minute test. It's a 12 minute test. And then you can say, okay, there's 14 dogs till me. That's do the math. I can't, but X, X, <laughs> 73 minutes till I run. Yeah. Or there's three dogs left and they're 10 minute test. That's 30 minutes. Well, shoot. The dog that just ran got a no bird. So now it's 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. shoot. That dog broke. Oh, shoot. I better go get my dog and Aaron. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that stuff actually it can happens. Go, right. It, it can, can go, go quick. Real quick when you are thinking you got 30 minutes. So long story short, we make it to the sixth series. Memphis is now. And I don't mean to just put this whole podcast on Ember because Memphis was exceptional. She stepped on every bird. She crushed the blinds. She was 
the dog amongst dogs. She was, I was so, so, so proud of her. But a lot of eggs were in my ember basket because she's Jack's dog. She's my good buddy and client of years, and I raised her for Jack. And right. He's believed in me from the beginning. Beginning of Lone Dog. Yeah. Yes. She, really? Yeah. Ember's quote-unquote sister, n- not by blood, but, you know, Jack's yeah. first dog was one of the first dogs. The She was the first gun dog that came to me when I moved home. Really? Yep. First, first. First, first. So my no first way. gun dog client in New York that. was Katie. Jack believed in me from the start. And I wanted nothing more than to give him this. And... Anyways, but she's on the bubble, man. She's like, if she makes one mistake, we're out. And she's been great, but one more, like one little mistake, and we're we're toast. Our master national dreams for Ember are a bust. So, sixth series. We're still at Larry's Pond, but we go to a different corner. First bird out. You sit down, and you're on the edge of a bank, and kaboom. About 10 yards away, a bird comes out of the woods, high, huge arc, and splashes in the dog's face. Breaking bird. They better sit still. After five other series of breaking birds and and the nerves and everything going on and no e-collars and no, you know, you got to sit. So, boom, bird goes out. Second bird out is maybe... 70 yards away if that splashes in a bunch of cattail or uh, not cattails um, lily pads from the woods thrown at you into lily pads amongst a bunch of decoys kind of down the shore third bird is probably 110 yards away shot from the woods up a hill so now they got a and it's in line with the short bird so they either pick up that short bird and then the lily pad bird and then have to punt you know cut a corner don't cheat and pick up that long bird or they skip that short bird yeah. now they're thinking about that now their mind's on something else you know it affects the long bird like we saw a lot of weird stuff happen but there's a lot of like <sighs> mental stress on you and assuming and how, well, right but like how do I think my dog's brain is going to work when reading this? Yes, if they do this, what do I do? If they do that, what do I do? If if they do this and this, okay, I'm going to play it like this. So how much you're you're on, man? You're you're freaking just firing on all cylinders again. That's why your nerves are so on edge because ten different scenarios are running through your head. Of yeah, well, sometimes she'll do this in this scenario. Well, I know she's been taught to do this. Like I yeah, yeah. I never once thought my dogs were going to cheat that bank. But I 100% thought they were going to pick up that short bird. 100%. They literally would have have to swim a foot from a belly-up mallard to go punch and get that long bird. But if they picked up that long bird first, the rest was kind of, quote-unquote, easy. Truthfully, I don't remember what Memphis did. (laughs) No, I do. She picked up the short bird first. She did. Then she picked up the lily pad bird, and then we punched up, and she picked that one up clean. And then it was a down-the-shore blind, and she, I think, one-whistled it. I mean, she was on fire. I, and I don't – I'm bragging now. I, I don't care. Screw you all. I'm bragging. Memphis crushed it. But here's the point where it's humble. Right? No, I know, but here's the humble part. I didn't even celebrate that she passed. 
I was so nervous for Ember that I it didn't even register that my dog passed the Master National because the next thing, as soon as I got off the line, was like, all right, here we go. Let's go get Ember. It's go time. She's got to run tonight. We're down to the wire with sunlight. I had to air her. I'm not. I'm watching Blaine out of the corner of my eye while I'm airing Ember, making sure Blaine does well. Yeah. I didn't even register. Like, yeah, but you know what? I, I I wouldn't expect you to do so because you. I don't know, man. Like we talk about this all the time of like how much like grind is there to get what needs to be done, done, and you're you put in like fourteen, fifteen hour days, six days a week. I mean, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. So to be like, I need to almost compartmentalize. Like, that's a good word. That's exactly what I did. Right? Like the emotion. First of, off, that's a five dollar word. But secondly, like, job. that's I don't know. Like, that's what you got to do. You got. We're yeah. here for business. Well, right? Yeah. Like, no, we're here for fun too. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, like, right. you got a job to do. Yeah, we got we got to get and numbers jet, to too. Yeah. We're not done. Right. And so I didn't even fathom just didn't hit me right like everything that i had hoped for and worked for didn't even hit me that my dog stepped on every mark and crushed the blinds like she was one of the best in our flight and it just was what it was she was phenomenal didn't even resonate because the next thing on my plate was ember and jack's dog and and got more work to do more work to do so anyways i go She's not up. They call it. I literally have her in the holding blind ready to run, and the judges turn around and go, sorry, Bob, you know, put your dog away. We're going to call it for the day. And I'm like, let me go throw up, please. I'm going to go vomit in the <laughs> freaking woods because, you know, I, I'm no joke. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. 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 Go puke. So now I still don't even get to celebrate Memph. Because tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning, I'm getting up taking care of dogs. And it's like, go time again. Here goes Ember. Uh, right. No solid bowel movements for another day. <laughs> you know, no celebrations here That's yet. a good diet, though. Yeah. Oh, I lost. I'm sure I lost weight. So uh, we go. We go back that night. And I just... I take some time with Ember that night and I do a little obedience because it's a break. There's a big breaking bird. And I just kind of like, there were times where I'm just like petting the two of them. And I'm like, please just do this. Like you guys are so good. Please just do this. Like I want this so bad for them and us and Jack and all the people, our fam, like my parents, my girlfriend, you, everybody sacrifices and if you listen to the podcast before with Blaine, we sacrifice a lot. And the culmination of what this moment was made it worth it. And so I walk to the line the next morning. It's freaking cold, shitty, foggy. The sun was, it ended up burning the fog off by the time we ran. But it's like, it's freaking cold. You know, is she going to want to do this long stuff? Is she going to, what's going to happen? Is the wind right? Is the sun going to blind her on one of these marks? Like 800 things are going through my head. 
she freaking did it right. The long bird is the goal bird. She swam past the short bird like a good dog, picked up the long bird. I'm like, damn. All right. Swam out to the lily pads, stepped on that bird. And now I'm tearing up. And I'm probably going to tear up right now. Swam, swam to the lily pad bird. And now we got a freaking belly up mallard drake. Whew, Ten yards away. And that's the only thing besides a blind, which I knew she would do fine on. All she got to do is go pick that up. Picks it up and I start choking up. Heal her, sit her down, and I kick her loose for a down the shore kind of no-brainer blind and i think she like one or two whistled it and i i mean i'm legit crying because i didn't even get to think about menth i didn't even get to think about i didn't get to feel emotions because i was so focused on this that she picked that bird up and i turned around the judges and i you know i thanked them and I, I'm starting to tear up, and I'm thinking about Jack, and I'm thinking about Ember, and she ended up being one of five Chesapeakes to pass a Master National. Out of 406 dogs, she was one of five. She was the youngest Chesapeake to pass a Master National. Jack's believed in me from the beginning. Memphis is a phenomenal dog. She will, would have done 10 more series perfect. That's the type of dog she is. She, she could have made a mistake. She didn't. She did great. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of us, her and I as a team. But the the emotion, the nerves, the pride, it all came through with that last bird that Ember picked up. And it was like, dude, it was overwhelming. Blaine was right behind me. I gave him a hug. I'm tearing up. He's tearing up. My friend Jim Elam, who's... Yeah, I don't want to shout out his age, but let's 65. I'm going to go conservative <laughs> here and say 65 for old Jim. He gave me a high five and he's like, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, we were there, all of us trainers and amateurs and all the guys, every, guys, men, women. We were a team. Trish, my friend Trish and Mary. Mary was the head person for our, our flight. Like they're tearing up. It was it was something. I cannot describe 10 days. It ended up being almost a month of my life. Pre-training with Blaine. Two and a half years of Ember. Four, almost five years with Memphis, raising them both. Late nights, early mornings, days I didn't want to do it, days I did want to do it the people I've met along the way, all the friends at the Master National that I got to see. I mean, there are people that follow on Instagram I'd never met. Richard from um, Louisiana. You know, I'm sitting there, get to hang out with him. Jake, I got to meet him. There, There's people I hadn't met, but I know through Instagram and know through this podcast that I got to shake hands with and hug and say hi and follow along and text and we did it. We made it. Two out of three of my dogs completed the 2019 Master National. Sweet mustache, by the way, in tow. And it was, um, <clears throat> I'll be back. I'll do it again next year. I'll take that roller coaster. I'll take those loose bowels. I'll take wanting to throw up. 
I'll take all of it to feel that feeling again. And I hope, my hope is I don't, I don't lose that feeling, right? Like, like crying, tearing up and, and feeling that sense of relief, that sense of pride, that excitement, that my nerves could rest all like the, everything that I just described. I don't even, I probably rambled like a son of a gun. All those feelings I would do all over again in a heartbeat. But what I hope I don't lose is that feeling. I hope I don't lose what I felt in the camaraderie with all those people and the feeling about the dogs and the effort that I put in. I hope I never lose that. Like it was a really, really, really special time. And that is the Master Stational 2019. So we got two dogs through, 406 dogs passed. I think there were like 85 Hall of Fame dogs. Really? So Hall of Fame dogs means you pass a Master National three times, and you're a Hall of Famer. Half of those didn't make it. So out of 85 dogs, only half got through this one. A lot of phenomenal trainers lost dogs. A lot of phenomenal dogs were lost. A lot of people who put just as much energy into it as I do didn't make it. And I'm really, 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 really proud that we did. You know, maybe there's an ounce of luck. Maybe there's an ounce of whatever. But we did what we had to do. And eight months ago, Blaine and I sat down and said, we're going to put everything on the table and we're going to pass this thing. We're going to show up and we're going to do it. We did. So, I don't know. What do you got, Kev? Give me a second to take a breath. That was, uh, I ha- that's a good recount. I feel really kind of uh, emotionally drained from that. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. I have purposefully not asked (laughs) for the rundown. Uh, So this is honestly like the first time as much as you and I talk and chat and I always ask like how the dog's doing, what's going on. Like I haven't asked how to go. Yeah. As wild as that seems. Uh, And so that was a roller coaster for me as well. Yeah, to be completely honest, but we have was it was an unbelievable thing. Yeah, it's a high level event. The I mean, it's a countrywide thing. It's a national. I mean, master national. I know it's a stational. Stational, thank you. Stational. I don't think I got enough recognition for master stational. Yeah, that was fantastic. If I do say so myself, but it needs to be an annual thing. Oh yeah, I'll always and if, have a master if other people stash. don't, if other people don't like Get on climb board. on to that one. Well, think about that's on them. Let's think about the NHL where their playoff beards and all. Thank that you stuff. very much. I got playoff the master national. Thank you. Let's so, go. Need this, Anybody go. who Done. listens and wants to stash with me on the master national 2020 tour, let's go. So, anyways. We had we had a few good questions right, come go through ahead. though. Uh, what types of dogs were running? You had mentioned that Ember was one of a few to actually pass. It was a Chessie, uh, Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Uh, Eric, if you're still uh, following along, had a great question. Did any German short hair pointers or other versatile dogs type of type of dogs run? Like, what was kind of like the go to? Was it just kind of like a yeah. typical black lab? Yep. Um, no German short hairs or any of the versatile breeds ran. Um, they are technically not recognized really? in the AKC retriever hunt tests. 
Um, if I remember correctly, they can run it, and they can run for a title, but not like ours do, like a retriever. They can maybe get like a, I don't know, it's a separate thing. It, it's just separate. So don't quote me on this. You're going to have to Google this yourself. But um, no, no pointers were running the Master National. There were um, there were a few poodles, and I believe one got through. Um, I don't know if any Boykins got through. Blaine had one of them, and I want to say there were like two or three others. No I'm way. I'm pretty sure he trained them all. Um, but, like, I don't know. We'll have to go back and get back to people. But curly coats, flat coats, I know that there were a few of each. But it's it's mainly Labradors, Golden Retrievers, Chesapeake's. But even, like, let's say 20 Chesapeake's. Wow. And only five passed. And out of 1,000 dogs, you know, 1,020 dogs, you know, maybe 20 Chessies. No maybe way. five flat coats. Maybe 50 Golden Retrievers. Like, it's strong Labradors. And uh, for Ember to be one of five Chessies to pass and the youngest. Yeah. What an accomplishment for her. I mean, shoot, I feel like I didn't do anything. She did it. She did it. I'm proud of her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What did Jack say? Jack was fired up, man. She, she actually, another shout-out to old Ember. Uh, she just won the Pheasant Field Trial in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. Previously held by my dog, old Buck. No way. Yeah, dude. So he so got tell that story. So, four years ago? Or yeah, it was, it was no. a little ways back. Well, Ember's only two and a half, so maybe two years ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long Ember ago. Ember was like six months old because she won the puppy division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Buck, I show up. I've got a dog truck and trailer, and I show up with Jack's two dogs, Katie and Ember, and Buck, I think that he's the only one I ran, and it was yep. like 25, dog, 25 bucks to enter. One pheasant is placed in this field. And you have to show obedience. You have to show a dog that can quarter a field. They have to find the bird and, um, you know. It's like a reasonable. Yeah, a reasonable rate. Like, they yeah. can't just wander around the field and walk by the bird six times. Like, you got to comb the field intelligently and find the bird intelligently, hunt it intelligently, flush the bird intelligently. Shoot. You as the handler has to shoot the bird. The dog has to retrieve the bird to hand, sit, heal, whatever. Bonus points for sitting on the flush. For sure. Real so, quick, before we even, like, move any further, did you know that this was happening? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so anyway. But you on. didn't, like, plan for this. This wasn't, Wait, like, Wait, with me a, and Buck, you mean? No. With Ember. What like, you, you didn't go down there to be like, oh, let's go run in this pheasant thing. Who, with me and Buck? Yeah. Absolutely. You 100%. did? I thought it was like, a, oh, yeah. we're here hanging out no, with Jack. No, no, and no, it was no, like, no, no, no. Oh, this makes I it way less cool Buck. then. No, me and old Buck, we're going to win this. So <laughs> I'm going to show all these yuppie Connecticut folk what, what we do. So we show up. I got a dog truck and trailer. And Buck does his thing. I mean. We go on a little pheasant hunt. He puts up a bird. He, I shoot it, and he goes and gets it and brings it back to me. No yeah. brainer. He thought we, it was nothing. Yeah, we've literally done it hundreds of times. Yeah. Katie ran the under three-year-old and the open. So Buck was like six or seven at the time. So he ran the open. Katie ran the derby and the open. And then Ember ran the puppy. 
So we cleaned house. Buck <laughs> got this massive trophy, <laughs> massive trophy. Jack got, I think, first place in the derby with Katie, and Ember won the puppy. And they literally told him, like, you can't bring that guy back, and you need to, like, enter your dogs in higher stakes because they're too good. Because everybody else was complaining that Jack paid some guy to train his dog, and they clean sweeped us. You know, they all complained. Well, hey, listen, if you want, you know, a bad-to-the-bone pheasant dog, you call Uncle Bob. Um, but anyways, so that's one of my favorite stories dude, though. Yeah. We it, cleaned house. So I, I, and I left. It was like, it's like, uh, first place, uh, Jack P, uh, come on, <laughs> come on up and, and grab your, your, what was it? Like yeah. a bag of dog food yeah, and a small little food. thing. And then it was like, uh, sec- second place, Jack, you might as well just stand here. Uh, yeah. and then the puppy thing, Jack again. Yep. No, we clean swept that pig. So, uh, this year. He picked her up on Tuesday or Wednesday. Long story short, the test was, the trial was on Saturday. And he texts me, he goes, we got first and third, baby, in the open. Ember got first. So she walked away from the Master National, walked, she hasn't pheasant hunted a field in a year, walked in, quartered the field, flushed the bird, retrieved the bird, just like she's supposed to. Um, so she not only passed a Master, master Stational, but she also is 2019 East Glassenberry's Pheasant Dog of the Year, baby. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs, and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.